Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friends, my partners in radio, and my partners in the coffee business, Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. Boys, how does it feel to be coffee moguls again? Uh, I got out of bed this morning with a renewed spring in my step, knowing that um, I was doing, once again, what I was put on this earth to do, which is being in the coffee business. Thanks to a brand new partnership with Redbud Coffee. Um, Ronald, give us your, your just initial reactions on it, and then we'll let Piper do his inaugural um, promo. For Red yeah, Coffee. absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, I think when we look at um, what we've achieved yeah. um, from a business sense, yeah. I think um, if, if we don't have coffee somewhere in the mix, I feel like there's a part of us that's lacking that we're not, yeah. we're not really fulfilling, not just the great commission, which is what we do on this, on this broadcast, mm-hmm. but um, you know, the other commissions that we've been given in this life, which is to promote uh, good product. Hipster so, coffee. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's uh, and that's part of my sensibility, even though I'm not really a, a coffee snob whatsoever. I'm still a Folgers guy. Yep. And uh, But uh, that's okay. And I would like to hear uh, on a professional... Are you a Folgers guy or do you just like the Folgers persona? <laughs> like it's the one thing about you that's every man. I just don't like people putting oh, me in Piper, the box because I'm an Enneagram 4 pipe. I mean, you know that. I have a really hard time imagining... Ronnie, I like delicious things, Martin, drinking Folgers. I really can imagine Ronnie having a can of Folgers on his exposed plank shelf just to <laughs> just to adorn his But it's kitchen. so not it's but it's part of the so not cool it's cool, you know? So, yeah, it's part of the um, hipster like theology of yeah, a thing being retro, a thing being not cool, therefore it's cool. Now, Piper, I want to I want to lean into hold this. Hold on, hold yeah, on. Yeah, go ahead. Go Let ahead. me hold on. I I All don't right. care about coffee. Coffee is just bitter hot liquid to me no matter what Mm. so it doesn't matter if you give me good coffee or bad coffee because i need to milk and sugar that stuff up to where it's whatever what whatever the quality you know of of the beans are going to get lost in that anyway so so that's just it's real real talk here do you feel like that in a sense impedes your ministry to hipsters being that you don't like coffee you know what i'm saying because i feel like there's a real elephant in the room when you try to kind of minister to the people that you're trying to minister to because they are by and large such coffee aficionados do you feel like this is well yeah it's it's a stumbling block i mean it could be i mean there's no doubt about that it could be except for when i sit down and i talk to uh you know so-called coffee snobs Mm. and they look at me assuming that i am and I get to sort of burst their bubble with that. Mm. That's um, it, it. Sort of puts me on like a different plane with that. So I'm the coffee snob against coffee snob. Oh wow, that is that is fascinating. Now Piper, I want to go back to something that you mentioned, which was maybe this is the one thing in Ron's life that keeps him sort of grounded with the everyman in the midst of all the mm-hmm. shiplap and Yoda tweets and trips to Naples and just all the kind of superstar stuff that we see him engaged in week in and week out. Now explore that a little bit. I think that's fascinating. Yeah. I just, I feel like, uh, you know, Ronnie is, he has a very, uh, it's a very curated life. Mm -hmm. And so there has to be that one thing that, you know, that lives on the shelf that he looks at it, you know, he can just, he can go by and like, you know, like the Notre Dame players slap the play like a champion today. (laughs) sign. like Ronnie goes by and just touches the Folgers can. It's like, you know what? I, I am, I am an every man in the middle of a brilliant pie. I am, I am one of these people. That's brilliant. I think, I think that's what it is for him. Uh, and you know, and his whole, like, I don't actually like coffee. Uh Uh, actually I think supports that theory because, if he really liked Folgers, that's a whole different discussion. 
Um, so I, I think it, I think it's an ethos, a, a groundedness, a tie back. To, maybe it's the coffee that his dad drank. Like there's, there's something there that's very like this is. This is a rooting, grounding thing for him. Now, it's important, though, to make it not look like a curated life. So there's going to be a problem with that comment off the air. <laughs> so we can we can <laughs> discuss that in our post-production meetings, yeah. our extensive yeah, – totally yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take, totally I'll take heat off the air. That's fine. Totally I, I also – I have a sneaking life. suspicion that whatever this coffee can is was one that was, like, found in the woods while <laughs> he was on one of his walks. And it's just, like, sort of a half-rusted can, and, and he, he you know, to, he came home and tenderly cleaned it and out. literally and don't know me. He had to get it out of the shot incredible. of a perfect, like, Instagram forest walk picture. Four years on this program, and you guys literally are clueless. It's it was, unbelievable. It was inconveniently close to a colorful mushroom he wanted to take a picture of or something. Gosh, uh, man, just – Go watch your football and do your rock and roll. Guys. Effortless. Effortless life, baby. Um, Piper, also effortless is how enthusiastically we get to talk about Red Bud Coffee because I'm not going to lie, when we parted with Ligaris, I felt like a part of me had died. Um, yeah, it was it was a real identity crisis huge. there. You know, you guys were talking about how you, you, know, you felt like it was, it was part of who you are to do this coffee thing. Yeah, I was just sort of floating. It's, you know, like you, you – I don't know. I was just sort of spinning in circles, wondering what happened next. And then, Dark Knight and of then the Soul Connor was. from Red Bud. Piper, it's okay. You can get married now. I mean, it's you're all clear now. I'm I'm a whole man again. Exactly. Correct. So, Piper, oh, tell good. us about Red Bud. I'm excited to hear about this. Yeah, listeners. So, Red Bud Coffee is a is a smaller family owned coffee roastery. They're they're right in the middle of Illinois. It is in Auburn, Illinois, which none of you know where that is, which is great. That's part of what part of what makes them great is that they're just it's. It's a, a man named Connor, and then I think it's his brother and his uncle and his dad, maybe. It's all family who run this thing and then employees. Um, so they have they bring in beans from mostly Central and South America, at least currently, although I think they rotate those. So currently they have Costa Rican beans, uh, Costa Rican roast, Brazilian, Colombian. They do have an Ethiopian. That's not Central and South America. I know geography. And then Mexico. Um, well, those are and the then best they work ones, really hard. the ones you mentioned. Yes, those are those are all their best ones. Uh, those are also all of them. Um, they work really hard to make sure that everything they bring in is ethically sourced, just so they they try to have as direct a line as possible with the farmers to make sure that everybody's paid fairly. And then they have one additional cool partnership that we don't have anything directly to do with this, but they have it set up. So it's just a cool thing where a dollar from every purchase goes to. A uh, an organization called Aruna who works with survivors of sex trafficking. So uh, they are partnering and supporting that that uh, organization, and so we get to sort of have a double partnership here. But if you want to learn more, go to RedBudCoffee.com, and then they have the code Happy Rant set up where you can get ten percent off of any purchase. So just use the code Happy Rant at checkout, get ten percent off. So that's coffee. That's they have some mugs. They have some different things there. But again, it's RedBudCoffee.com. We will have this in the show notes on the website. We'll we'll plug it in on the on just our standard show page so you can find it there. Um, but RedBud Coffee, and then don't forget to use the code Happy Rant to get your discount. Um, we just got this set up in the last couple of days, so I haven't even had a chance to to sample their wares yet. Mm. Uh, but I am functioning in total and complete faith that it will be delicious, and I'm excited. We are going to rule the coffee industry with Redbud. Um, we're going to we're going to put Starbucks out of business. We're putting Tim Hortons out of business. Uh, we are gunning for them, and we will go straight to the top. 
Boys, I'm excited to uh, to sip my first cup of Red Bud coffee very, very soon. Piper, as always, you've crushed that promo um, because, in part, you are a writer and you understand how words work. And uh, I want to talk about an issue pertaining to writers that, uh, Piper, you sent this along, I think, last week, um, a little a little dust up on Twitter. Now, I don't know who any of these people are. You're going to have to explain to me who these people are. I feel like they have blue checks next to their name, meaning they're more important than at Jared C. Wilson and and Ronald and myself, who we do not have blue checks of any kind um, next to our names. But so someone named Morgan Jenkins, uh, is she anybody? I I don't I don't know who she is. Uh, I'm gonna. Look is she like Jerry Jenkins? Oh, daughter? it's Mo- it's Morgan it's Morgan Jerkins. Oh my, my bad. Terrible radio by me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Same question though. Is she anybody? Although yeah, Jenkins sounds better than Jerkins, so I don't you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she is. She is a senior editor at Zora Mag. I don't know what that is, and Medium, which is like a web platform for writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is a New York Times best-selling author of "This Will Be My Undoing." Maybe that refers to this tweet. Um, and uh, yeah, so she's. Uh, I think, and then she has a new book coming out in May. So she's an author, writer, editor. So she, yeah, I mean. She's in the biz. She knows a thing or two about a thing or two. Thing or two about a thing. And she says this she, about writers. Yeah. She says, writers do not date or invest any significant amount of energy into a person who does not read your work. Um, that's, that's big. And then Ruth Graham, who I assume is also somebody, but also somebody yeah, that she's I don't a, know. She's a columnist, writer, um, she she writes for Slate and is oh Slate. Uh, she's a she's also a very clever tweeter. She's a fun follow. Yeah, she she said if my husband misses even a single blog post, so help me God. Um, now you boys are writers. You're both in significant relationships. Um, what do you make of this? Do you make your significant other read all your stuff? Uh, Ronnie, I'm gonna allow you to take. Yeah, this no, first. I mean not even. Cl- I mean. I, I don't want to. I don't want to put her through that kind of <laughs> agony. Yeah, I mean, I I love my I love my significant other more than making her you know go through that kind of torture. But um, I, yeah, I don't know, man. See, like coming from the like coming from the music thing, and man, all those albums, and I mean, I I never I never subjected her to any of of those kinds of things. It was just it's like, hey, if you want to hear something, you know where to find me, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's the same with the writing. It's like, sometimes I'll like give her something to prove. I'll say, hey, how does it mm-hmm. sound? Is this, do you like this? Yeah. I'll, I'll do it on that level, but I don't do it like, okay, this book is finished. I expect you to read it. I expect you to tell me how great of a writer I am and how much I've improved. I mean, I'm not looking to get any of that from her, um, but you know, if she, if she wants to read it, it's, it's up to her. I mean, I, and guess what? I'm, I'm still guys. I mean, I'm still going to invest in, in our marriage, whether, yeah. whether she reads it or not. I mean, I'm not, I'm not putting the, I'm not putting the marriage on hold until like every single <laughs> word is read and digested and critiqued and, you know, used as a way to tell me how awesome I am. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm good. We're, oh. we're, we're stronger than that. We're better than that. You know? Wow. All right. Piper, what about you? You're entering into a new, a new phase as an engaged man. Um, yeah. Have you, have you and your lady had the all important, are you going to read every word of what I write conversation yet? I'm sure that was like yeah, first was, date stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was in, it was in the first three dates. Yeah. Cause when we started going on, she didn't know that I was an author and that, you know, that was a major setback. Like I had to, yeah. like, 
it's it's kind of like not being a coffee mogul for a while. I was kind of lost and unsure how to handle things. Um, and then you explained so that, then, that yeah, you I have just, a blue check next to your name, and you know. Yeah, then we you know we went out for dinner, and I just laid out my books on the table, and I said, "Look, this is this Begin. is what it takes." Begin um, reading, yeah, please. <laughs> Um, I expect you to have read one by the time I see you again next. Yeah, and, you know, she was cool. Uh, actually, that's the exact opposite of how it happened. She didn't know I was an author. She found out kind of either through conversation with me because I said I had a writing project. She was like, oh, and I just sort of gave the this is generally what I do. Mm-hmm. And then she just sort of looked at me and goes, am I supposed to read your books Uh-oh. or something to that effect? I don't want to put words in her mouth. And I was like, if you want yeah. Try one if you don't like it, you know, just don't tell me. Um, and so I think she's sort of dabbled around in them. But, yeah, no expectation there. The thing about this tweet that amused me most was, okay, so do not date somebody or marry somebody who doesn't, you know. Is that what it said? Read your what it, what was, what it, it says exactly writers do not okay. date or invest any significant amount of energy into a person. Into a person. So here's where here's where I go, like. Ronnie and I both work at churches now. We have a responsibility <laughs> to invest a fair amount of energy into people. Like yeah. that's what we do. Um, I feel like this is really going to make my job easier <laughs> because I now just get to ask people, "Have you read my books?" And if they no, say no, then you uh, can leave ignore them. leave my office. Exactly. You, why Why are you here? What are you even doing here? Okay. Um, that's yeah. I think my kids. I no longer. I know. I either get to make them read my stuff, or I get to ignore them. This is great. This is, this is great. really. It's empowering. This is the answer to the toxic human question. You know, how do we deal with toxic people? We ask them if they've read our stuff. If the answer is no, we we erase them from our lives. It means they're this toxic. Is great. <laughs> if you don't approve, yeah, you my are work, toxic. You don't you, you don't support my writing by, by purchasing it. Absolutely, it's great character quality there. You know. Yes. Now, Ted, how do you handle this uh, on the home front? Is this like, is this sort of like how you police your your wife's watching? Like we we discussed a couple <laughs> That's episodes right. yeah. ago. You do like, police her. I don't. I don't. Telephone. You need you need to turn that off and read my latest article and stuff. Absolutely. I just throw the television like out the window and like replace it with all my books, and and she gets the idea. But no, she. Uh, so when KK met me, I was 19 years old. Uh, I was a sophomore in college. And I had never written a dank thing in my life, nor did I have any aspirations to write anything. So um, KK really got the old bait and switch in the sense that um, she had no idea she was marrying a writer. And, um, and, and therefore, I had no expectations really that she would read any of my stuff, especially since my first three books were sports books. Um, so my first book was about Mike Tyson and, and I was fairly certain she didn't care who Tyson fought in 1989, nor did she care to read like deep dive interviews with those people. So um, we kind of set the precedent early of her not reading my stuff. But uh, from time to time, she will. Like if if I write anything having to do with her or the family or um, just like reform culture, something she thinks will be funny, um, then she's she's totally on board to read it. And she's always really encouraging. She's like she's the best kind of editor in that she. She laughs in the right places, and I think she, I think truly she likes my stuff. And uh, even if we weren't married, she would like my stuff. Um, but she does make really helpful comments from time to time. Like she she has a really good ear for tone, 
and when I sound like a douche, and I don't necessarily know it myself, so um, she's really helpful on that level. She's kept me out of. It's like the best worst sort of feedback because usually, if if you're like me, the the moments when you sound the most like that are the ones you were like you were really proud of that line. Oh, uh, totally. And so when you're told to take it out, it's just like, oh, come on, that was good. You know what though? I'm old enough now, and I've taken enough beatings that I I really do want to be saved for myself though. So. Um, she has she has full like artistic license to save me from myself, and I I very much appreciate it. So, um, so yeah, she reads like just enough to make me feel good about being a writer, but um, but yeah, she's not reading all the sports stuff and even all the you know uh, goofy like gut check stuff that I write with Zach. She's she's not reading all that, but um, but she she does a good job. She she likes enough of it. So Morgan Jerkins. Good luck finding somebody to uh, to read all of your work. Um, I feel like I should read some of her work now, just to see if, like, you know, it's realistic to think that there's a person that would read all of it. But uh, anyway, yeah, interesting, interesting stuff. Speaking of speaking of work, um, one of our colleagues, contemporaries. I don't, I don't know what we're calling Owen Strakehand, but one of uh, a guy who's about our age, who's in the reformed world, uh, has written some work about 1917. Uh, This is what Owen Strachan said in his own tweet about his article. He said, 1917 is a powerful and deceptively theological metaphor of life in a fallen world. Honor is all that is left of a life when it ends. Rest is found only where trees flourish. I don't know what really any of that means. Um, And what's more, (laughs) I'm for sure not going to read Owen Strachan's article about it. (laughs) But um, it's interesting to me, boys. Um, I'll start by saying I do want to see this movie. I heard that it was an all-in-one-shot movie, like Hitchcock's film Rope, which I find fascinating given that it's you know about what it's about. Um, but it strikes me, and you, and you boys speak to this, I feel like reformed dudes are only good with consuming lots of pop culture when it can be turned into an intellectual exercise and they can get a white paper out of it. Um, and I think... I think the best reformed couples are the reformed couples that like eat chips and watch TV and watch movies together at night. They seem to like like each other the most, which call me crazy. I think liking your spouse is a big deal. And um and I I, I like mine and we do a lot of that stuff together. So uh Strakan has written at length about nineteen seventeen. What do you boys make of it? Pipe, what are your thoughts? Uh I don't know. I saw this tweet, and my first thought was, man, now I want to see this movie less. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which seems to be the cumulative effect. So this is not a direct shot at at Owen for tweeting this. As much as it is the the sort of movement of reformdom, just way overthinking things. That can just be a good time. And I recognize there, you know, movies are also art and there's themes and there's so much depth to them. But there's just a, I don't know, it's just like a drone of responses to them that takes the enjoyment out of, uh, that takes the enjoyment out of them. And so, like, when I see these, these just way over theologized responses to a movie about war mm-hmm. directed by Sam Mendez, who, as far as I know, is not a particularly theologically oriented person, uh-huh. 
I just kind of go, I think you missed the point. Piper, let me... Or you missed a point. Let me ask you a follow-up question, because what, what you said was really interesting. Why do you think reform dudes love war so much? These guys love war. I think they're bummed that, like, we we haven't had a a, a big one to, like, get all heroic about. Um, why the fascination from reform guys in war? Oh, I'm sure there's a direct tie to – so I think it's twofold. One is the other thing that reform guys talk about loving is poetry. Yeah. Um, you know, I know, Ted, you enjoy some poetry. I think Ronnie does as well. I do. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't know anything about poetry. I just like some of it yeah, and same, dislike some same, of it. Same, um, And, and uh, so – I think what they're trying to do is take this fascination with poetry, which is a thing that does not come naturally to most reformed guys, yeah. uh, and then take something that's war, which is like an it's just like a one to one comparison to theology. You have like good versus evil, everything. There's sort of black and white. There's occasionally an ethical issue. There's heroes. There's villains. There's whatever. Like, war movies draw the clearest lines possible. That's true. Between. You know who you're rooting for and who you're rooting against, yeah. uh, unless it's Inglorious Bastards, and then it's a little fuzzy. <laughs> um, but so so they get they get the mashup of like I'm going to try to poeticize this this just ham handed metaphor over here, mm-hmm. and and they kind of mash it up. And so I think on the war side, it just comes naturally because it's so easy. It's like sports. Yeah, you know you got like. People lined up on opposite sides competing for victory. Yeah. That's a lot like the spiritual life. And then you got poetry, which is all very fuzzy and beautiful. I mean, even the way he wrote it, like something about where trees flourish or whatever. I'm like, yeah, oh, okay, you know, Robert Frost. But <laughs> it's uh, – you, you kind of you, – you bring that into this and it, it just seems like the most – reformed theologian thing ever to be like, I'm going to try to poeticize a thing that is just the most blunt object of a metaphor ever. I feel like it's, I feel like these guys see one movie a year and they get really excited because it's fun to go see a movie. Well, you can't, how many movies can you see when you're reading the 11 volume Winston Churchill biography? You just don't have any time. They see one movie a year. They get super pumped about it. They go home and they write their like 4,000 word white paper and, and, it's just the excitement's like pumping out of them, you know. It's uh, it's it's big. Um, Ronald, what do you make of this? Re- reform dudes in movies. Yeah, it kind of it's weird, fellas, because it brings me back to kind of my 1980s evangelical upbringing, which mm. was this. Uh, you, know, you guys remember Focus on the Family? Oh so yeah. My parents, yeah, my parents would get this like monthly journal, and everything would get reviewed and rated, and it was like sort of this attempt to. <coughs> like try to Christianize everything mm-hmm. so that we can justify the things that are part of culture that we are allowed to actually view and look at and watch. So if we can, man, if we can just draw something, you know, positive and something, you know, family oriented from it or some, we have to have, we have to find some like intrinsic value that aligns with biblical principles so that we can feel like it's okay for us to dip our toe uh, into into culture in a way that's not going to be harmful for our kids and our family, and so I mean maybe that's maybe that's putting a fine point in it, but I feel like this is just an extension of that, mm-hmm. which is that the Christian community still does it. Now we've allowed ourselves more license in what we're, we've you know what we've deemed you know permittable or permissible yeah. in terms of yeah. watching, and so but when I see all these reviews and it's always like that. Here's how the gospel comes out in. You know the new Terry Malick film. And Terry's a lovely man. We know that, so but um, I, but I think it's just like it. 
it's always back to that mentality where it's like I understand trying to find something that we consider to be redemptive in in a more like spiritual or biblical sense. Yeah. But sometimes I think we can, um, you know, we can just sort of like whitewash any of the uh, the artistic intent that's put mm-hmm. into any of these, you know, efforts. And so I don't know. I come at from I come at it from thinking of it, you know, in uh, you know on that on that level or from that angle because I grew up again with that. Just yeah. you were always you always had to find a justifiable reason why it was okay yep. to uh, to receive something, accept something. And, um, and because, you know, we don't, we don't look at, I think the Christian community and it doesn't look at anything. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't look at artisticness as being a value in and of itself. Right. Um, yes. Yeah, so so true. we, we have to add something to it to justify it. Yep. And, um, and I think that, I, I think that there's something good about that. And I think there's something kind of unhealthy about that. And again, yeah. that's not saying, Hey, we should just put anything in front of our eyes. It has no effect. It's all just art. I mean, that's going too far the other way with it. But I think we can use discernment. And I think that's what this is about, mm-hmm. is trying to have, I think, a good and healthy discernment that ultimately yeah. is grounded in, in theology and the Bible and Jesus. But it's also being able to have eyes that can, you know, receive some things that, by the way, you know, this film wasn't made, you know, with any sort of probably Christian intent, yeah. you know, yeah. to, be, to be drawn from. Yeah, um, and maybe it was. I don't know. I haven't read all the reviews. Yeah. but uh, man, I this kind of stuff always just. I just. I don't really. I, it doesn't interest me. Mm. So like when I see reviews like that, I I just I have that's a personal thing for me, fellas. Is that I just have no interest in that side of it. To be yeah. quite honest. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and that it's a really great point given how you grew up and how probably a lot of us grew up in the eighties, where there was all this like moral calculus that had to be done on the front end of consuming anything. And yeah, focus on the family, like kisses the movie on the ring and says, you know, it's okay for you to go see it. And maybe it's even like good for you to go see it. And then people would like stampede to the theaters to see those things. But, uh, but, but yeah, I, I can, I can totally see being burned out on that. And uh, that, let, let me ask you boys another question. And we, we may not know the answer to this, but what do you think is the most like banal, trite movie to ever get white papered about by one of these reformed dudes? Like, what, what's the Mendoza line for like banal That's a entertainment? Great question. Yeah. That's a really good question. <laughs> I've got an idea, but I want to hear from you guys. I don't know that I can think that quick on my feet. Um, I mean, there's, yeah, gosh. I'll probably come up with something after hearing you boys riff on it for a minute. Yeah. Pipe, do you have any ideas? Um, I have to imagine somebody has white papered like the friendship of Harry and Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber or something <laughs> like that. Um, that wow. I, I don't recall seeing it, but it seems like a possibility. Um, other than that, it's got to be it's got to be like cartoons. Like there was articles about Frozen and stuff like that. Which oh yeah, now, I didn't even the, think about it's that. Hard, it's hard. It's hard to critique those movies because those are those are really awesome movies for kids. Yeah. So to so to drag them into the theologizing of things is is a very strange thing to do. But uh those I I would have to imagine it's like yeah, it's like a Disney movie, Frozen, something like that would be on Yeah, that's good. Those are the ones that come to mind. Dude, see I was I was thinking more along the lines of like the Dark Knight. Like some Chris Nolan thing. Cause I feel like if if Chris Nolan is like 
the faux deep guy of, of right now. Like if you want, if you want to see a movie that's going to make you feel like kind of faux deep and that you can wax philosophical about, it's it's yeah. yeah Nolan is the we, art house guy that's been able to like make his art house movies commercial. It's exactly what. Well, we've talked about this. I think I don't know if I don't know if it was an episode that Ron wasn't on. I, I only remember having the conversation with you, Ted. Mm-hmm. So Ronnie, forgive me if my memory just sucks. But it's unbelievable. We were talking about how Nolan makes these movies that are immensely popular and immensely shallow. Yeah. You know, because because they are not character driven. Right. They're plot driven. Yep. They are concept driven because he's like, I want to twist time in this movie or kind of rearrange memory. But the people in the movies are just kind of like, yeah. And so when people are like, but what about Heath Ledger's The Joker? I'm like, that's not a that's not a character right. that that he wrote. That's a performance of a of a, you know, of a villain kind of thing. It was a great performance. Yeah. Not a great character. I agree. Yeah. No. It- and. Yeah, Nolan's Nolan's definitely one of those guys who will trick people into thinking they're deep and they're they're not usually. I think that's so marketable. You know, and that was like what we did a brisk business in in the 90s was faux depth, you know, and and everybody kind of walking around feeling tormented and thoughtful when in fact like they they really weren't. Um I, I think you'll always be able to sell that. So uh tip the cap to Chris Nolan. Uh when, and I think I think that's where war movies come in because they are they allow you to sort of look at like there's sort of the there's a it's not a faux depth but it's a very obvious sort of window into like look bravery yeah yeah you yeah, know for sure look cowardice look right. you know friendship and as opposed to something that you have to sort of sort through setting aside everything that Ronnie said which I totally agree with that we're just not comfortable with letting artistry and beauty be qualities on their own. Uh, and so, yeah, I think there's a it's it's a lot easier to deal in those movies than it is something that's kind of complex and muddy, like say uh, Manchester by the Sea, yeah. which I don't recall seeing a lot of think pieces about, but it was an absolutely incredible movie for for a million reasons. Yeah, yeah, it's not as clear cut. I think that's a great thing. I mean, when you talk about war movies, you really get down to sort of like the basics of like humanity. So you're talking about life and death and loyalty and you know heroic you know heroic feats of like you know you know strength under pressure i mean so it's all of those they're actually i mean they're they're deep but basic themes all the stuff that Uh, we don't allow our kids to ever experience because we're too busy sheltering them to high heaven because we don't let them play on the lawn anymore yeah because we don't let them go outside anymore but hey bravery bravery's good as long as you're white papering about it. Well, that's a whole other discussion, right? Like, dude, letting, it really is. Yeah, that's a dude. whole other. We could we could riff on that for a couple of well, hours. Well, yeah, sure. bra- bravery is now stating an opinion and then telling people they can't fight back at you. Like that was my brave opinion. Yeah. You don't get to say anything. Yeah. So yeah, bravery has changed shape dramatically since you know rescuing people from a trench in World War One. <laughs> Definitely. Now it's just having a hot take on Twitter. That's the brave thing to do. Uh, are we brave for doing this podcast? No, no we can't be brave no? because okay. we're we're middle aged straight ah. white men who are Christians. I remember the rules of bravery. That's one of the I'm rules. So confused. The rule number one is we can never be brave. I think so. if we were braver, we would have less uh, listeners. To be quite honest, so would I, we be brave if we called ourselves feminists? Would that be brave? Totally. I that, mean, that. yeah, braver, sure. Okay, that's the brave. I'm just video. trying. I'm again trying to co- trying to kind of triangulate where bravery lies for middle aged white dudes. So it's it's puzzling. I to think me. what's I brave. I think what's brave about what we do is that we hold ourselves 
just enough in check so that we sort of dip our toe into all these lines that could be crossed you know, <laughs> we don't miles cross over. Them. I think you're we don't right. cross we them. We 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 dip we our smudge the line. We, we smudge the line. the line. So That's there's a, a uh, we're very. Uh, I, I think we're. Uh, yeah, we we keep it we keep it closer to the vest than I think some people that would listen to the program upon first listen would think that we do. So did you know what we are in that? We are the Christopher Nolan of bravery. We are the, faux brave. the Christopher <laughs> Nolan of podcasting is what we are. Christopher Nolan is also far. a middle-aged white man. So we have that we have still yet more in common with Christopher. Just far just far enough, but not too far. Exactly. No, Which I mean, good. you could describe all of reformedum except for those, you know, just crazy hyper ends that we don't want to have anything to do with, right? Yeah. Yeah. Man, fascinating. We've we've done good work today. We should do a whole app on bravery. Um, cause I, I would, I would love to suss this out more with you guys and the bravery ascertain, app, man. I like, yeah, that. the bravery app, ascertain what's brave, ascertain like as middle-aged straight white Christian men, like what, what we can even access in the bravery realm anymore. I don't think there's much. But. And is, does bravery change? I mean, does like, uh, does, absolutely. Does it change with the culture? I mean, cause yeah. you know, none of us have gone to war. We haven't like, we haven't sort of practiced any sort of bravery on that level of things. Now, what, what about have, the culture war? Have we gone to the culture war? Does that count? Like, is that is that a brave thing? I haven't gone to it. I think I've like I don't know. fled to Canada in the culture war. <laughs> yeah, I'm a draft dodger for exactly. the culture war. I'm a conchi. I'm a conscientious objector. <laughs> objector. I mean, can you really be a? I mean, is there such a thing as like? I mean, you could argue is is writing even brave? You know what I mean? No. Just like you know, words on paper. I mean, yeah. is there something? Is it? Can you write things that'll get you in, in hot water or get you in trouble or or kind of make you controversial? Yeah, but Man, is that nothing really can brave? get you in hot water anymore because people forget after seven and a half seconds. Just look at look at the entire mo of our current presidential regime is to make people mad and then make them mad in a new way eight minutes later, so they forget the last way they were mad, and so you just you just roll it forward. And it's worked for three and a half years. So if okay, that's well, if that's yeah, the new ahead. bravery, then really like br- true bravery now is to not be brave in those ways. We're getting real existential now. We're getting yeah, very. Let's existential. save this for a bravery episode. Let's let's do a bravery episode where we get all existential and and yeah. suss all this mess. You know what we've but done. I'm we've, intrigued. We've gone from being Chris Nolan, which is shallow but understandable, to Terry Malick, which is deep. But completely incomprehensible. We're the and, Terry Malick and of radio. And we are insufferable now. Exactly. Why don't we just start? But why don't we also have that? Like also a- makes us lovely men. <laughs> so, so, boys, why don't, we have, why don't we change our opinion on some of those things, though, and just say, in actuality, uh, Malick's really not that deep. You know? Oh, that would be a hot take. That would. Be I mean, if you know, I, I mean, the hottest. Uh, why is why is it assumed? Because of his lack of dialogue and all in the in the in the you know the the real like you know you know ambient soundtrack that goes on throughout the whole film that that somehow means you know the content is deep but that doesn't necessarily how, mean anything. How dare you suggest that Terry Malick isn't the deepest? Guys, am I still a Christian for saying that? Am I? I saved? don't know. Yeah, Have I, I don't... do I still remain redeemed by the blood of Christ? I here's a here's a just... theory. Here's a hot take. As an older white man. Being incomprehensible and faux deep is the only card you have left to play, which As I think is why Terry pants for the water. So my soul <laughs> long after Terry Malick. Terrence Malick. <laughs> oh, I oh, love Judas it, boys. Pipes, there is pipes like now super no quiet. condemnation for those who are in Terrence Malick. <laughs> I love it. I love. Yeah, it. we can. Re- we'll just keep rewriting some scripture in accordance mm-hmm. with Terry, the gospel boys. according to Terry. We are nearly out of time. Thank goodness. 
But um, <laughs> that's what our listeners say l- too. Let me let me give you one scenario, and I want you to tell me if it's brave, brave. or if it's stupid. Um, so let's say you're a famous Hollywood actor. Um, you've been in such hits as Swingers and Wedding Crashers, and you are trying to take in the uh, the national championship football game uh, at the New Orleans Superdome like a gentleman, oh, and you. You happen to be a few seats away from the president of the United States, and you lean over and shake his hand. Um, is that courageous? Is it stupid? Is it just shaking the president's hand? Which I feel like. So, so my buddy Matt was over last night, and we were talking about this, and uh, we we both agreed that I feel like I would shake any president's hand. Like if you you put me in a room with any president that we've had, I'm probably shaking his hand. That's kind of a big deal. And maybe that's just a function of being, again, middle-aged and growing up in an era where we still cared about the president and thought it was a big deal. But uh, Vince Vaughn, the actor, getting killed, getting canceled all over the culture uh, because he shook Donald Trump's hand at a football game. Um, Pipe, what do you make of this? Yeah, I I feel like if we can cancel somebody for shaking a hand, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's not like he's as far as we know, it's not like he set up a meet, you know, so it's not like visiting North Korea to call somebody your friend who is one of the world's worst dictators, for example. Like, that seems troublesome to me. To Dang it, I've done adja- that. Sorry, guys. Uh, I'm Well, canceled. <laughs> exactly. Not brave. My um, bad. bad. <laughs> and, but to be, you know, in proximity to a world leader and not show them the respect, just, it feels petulant to me. So yeah. to to take the step of shaking somebody's hand doesn't it just feels like respectful. It's just polite. Mm-hmm. You know? If somebody if you if if somebody's at your house and they're being a total jerk, it, you still probably will respond to them politely, you know, and and sort of treat them with decency and because that's what hum, that's what humans should do. So yeah, I don't understand the fervor over it. Like it's it's not a political statement to shake a hand. Uh it in a in a public context, it's just a respectful thing to do, especially if it's like to the office of the president as opposed to the person of the president. Like you, you you're kind of shaking hands with a status, not just a human being. Yeah, Ronald is is Vince Vaughn ever going to do a significant movie again? Um, I mean, what if he made? Yeah. Well, to be fair, that that was in question before this whole. Yeah, no, oh, no, not to me. Good. What what if, what if he made Swingers too, baby? With uh, with Favreau and Vince Vaughn, a little reunion. 25 oh, years man. later. Yeah. Would we be like, there on the front row? Would we drive to Fort Wayne just to watch it there? Oh, I'd, I'd absolutely drive to Fort Wayne knowing it's going to be a horrible movie because you can't yes. do that stuff. Knowing that they're going to try to use all the lingo, a bunch of 50-year-old dudes. It's not going to work. We understand that. Like we do. And you yeah. better believe that me and you are going to be in the front row in Fort Wayne watching it. 100%. Absolutely. All those absolutely. things are true. Here's the thing, man. I'm with Pipe, man. I, don't, I'm, I feel like maybe there's something we're missing on this. I mean, I think historically Vaughn has identified as a Republican, which is not going to make him real friendly with which you know, kills him Hollywood in Hollywood movie. anyway. So kills him anyway. And I don't know when deal. he's I mean, so when he's shaking Trump's hand, does he have a little note saying, you know, call me, you know, we'll hang out. We'll get call dinner. Me, we'll talk politics. Yeah, I don't know. But um, so like I, <laughs> I, I, I just feel like we're I feel like we're missing something because I mean, dude, if anybody comes up to you and puts their hand out or you're in the presence of somebody. And the only polite thing to do is say hello and shake a hand. I, 
I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know that you wouldn't extend that to anybody. Like, I don't. That's just so weird to me. It's almost like a reflex, right? Like, I mean, yeah. we've all shaken hands with people that, like, maybe we're having a hard time with relationally, or things aren't going well, or we've been backstabbed, and you see that person like somewhere, and they put out their hand, and it's just, it's almost like a it's a reflective reflexive thing where you just like you put your hand out. And then much less if it's the president of the United States, regardless of your opinion of him. you got all these people around you. What, you're going to make a bigger scene by not putting your hand out and shaking his hand, right? So exactly. it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's not to defend him or not defend him. I just don't know what else I would do in that situation either. I, I think my hand would go out and I'd be like, you know, pleasure to meet you, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think I'm defending him. I like Vince Vaughn. What can I say? Call me, I like call Vince me crazy. crazy. Yeah, yeah, I like Vince. Yeah. I'd like to, I'd I'd like to see him make another funny movie someday. I would too, um, man. I would. T- I feel know. like he was – he kind of caught the last wave of funny movies. You know? Yeah. I think funny movies are, are canceled. But um, Yeah, they are. Know, There's he, nothing. Yeah. Well, we, we discussed that. Humor is canceled because you can't say anything to offend anybody. You know what would be brave? Being a funny comedian. That would be brave. Like Dude, Dave Chappelle, true. brave. Chappelle Dave has Chappelle a lot of stuff to say about that, man. He has a lot of opinions about why – comedians should be able to say whatever they want or else you've now just completely you know you've abandoned that art form are there any comedians left who haven't been canceled well i think if you're as big as Chappelle, you kind of can't be can't i mean he doesn't care i mean you can't yeah it's like 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 Chappelle canceled just makes Chappelle less canceled technically because that's now true. everybody's even that much more interested in hearing what he has to say about being canceled. that's true that's yeah. true. Boys, he's you part know of the elite, though. He's elite. You know who's not canceled? You know who's the opposite of canceled? Dwell Bible, our other sponsor for this program. Um, we started oh, with coffee. Is. Coffee moguls. We're ending with the preeminent reading the Bible out loud app on the planet. Um, and we are business partners with them, which fills me with pride and with hopefulness. Piper, tell us about Dwell. Are we allowed to say preeminent about, about Dwell Bible? It's the Bible. Yeah. But if you can't say preeminent about that, it's what not, can you say? Well, it's a Bible it? app. It's not the Bible. I don't, I don't, I'm just asking. I'm not criticizing. I'm, Dude, we're getting I, deep. We're getting deep into the theological. We're getting Terry Malick on this. You know what? I'm going to be brave and stick with preeminent. All right. I'm going to I'm going to just stare off there. into space silently like a character in a Terry Malick movie. You can Mutter inscrutable my, things. You can interpret pauses. my silence any way, any way you want. Well, I'm going to be like Nolan with no depth and just ask a bunch of questions. So. <laughs> there you go. I like it. Chris Nolan was emergent. Oh. <laughs> no, he's not emergent. He, he'd make worse movies if he was emergent. Questions are better Piper. than answers. He was emergent. Piper, Piper tell us about Dwell Bible. All right. So, yes, if uh, yeah, Dwell is definitely not canceled. And, in fact, it's a great subscription service. So instead of canceling, you can subscribe. I feel like that's a nice little parallel. That's such a good um, segue. Yeah, I know. I'm. I'm. I was feeling. I was feeling good about that one. Um. So, listeners, Dwell Bible is the preeminent. We're gonna go with that preeminent audio Bible app. You can subscribe for less than twenty dollars a year by using um by using the link. If you go to dwellapp.io slash happy rent, you'll see there it's a thirty three percent discount. It's less than twenty dollars a year. It has multiple versions. It has multiple narrators. It has musical backgrounds. It has listening plans to help you get through the Bible in a year or a shorter amount of time, longer amount of time, kind of whatever works for you, just to keep you on track. It has tools built in to help with memorization, study, reflection, all of that. So again, go to dwellapp.io slash happy rant. Check it out. Um, there's also a lifetime subscription, so you can pay. It's about $100. Have it. 
in perpetuity. So you get the advantage of every upgrade and every addition they make. And they're doing regular feature updates, regularly adding new readers, things like that. They're they're partnering with different authors and things like that to, to bring in some of their favorite scriptures. So again, dwellapp.io slash happy rant. Check it out and get your discount. Good work, Pipe. Wow. Good promo work. And uh, good good radio work by all all three of you non brave gentlemen. Um, we, are you are you speaking in the third person to yourself? Yeah, I am. I'm speaking to okay. my like the omniscient third third person. Narrative. Are we allowed to call that omniscient? I don't. I don't know. I'm just. I don't know if we if we go through life asking, are we allowed to? We're just. We should just. <laughs> the answer is always it. no. For us, yeah, the answer no, is always you're not. No. Boys, we have. Uh, We've done what we always do on this program, which is wander to and fro throughout several topics. And until next time. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. A crazy world out there, moms and dads. I'm Katherine Seegers, host of Christian Parent Crazy World, the podcast that tackles tough topics to help you be a godly parent in an ungodly world. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.